Awesome. Thank you, Hayes, Bethany, team. And again, good morning, church. It's good to have you here. Hey, grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 is where we'll begin today uh, as we're continuing to talk about a season of renewal. We've talked about this last semester, but we talked about it last week as well, that even as we're walking into this new year, we're in the midst of a season of renewal. Thank you, buddy. Uh, We want to see the Lord bring uh, really the true essence of revival, but that's not a a flash in the pan kind of thing. It takes time. It takes renewing of our spirit. And so we're asking the Lord to bring that renewal systemically to us as individuals, but also to us as a congregation. So last week we looked back at last year and all the things that the Lord taught us. And hopefully that was encouraging to you to look back and to see what the Lord has done in your life. Uh, But this week, we want to begin to look forward to say, okay, we see where God has taken us in the past six to 12 months. Where are we moving forward? What does that look like as we continue forward in this season of renewal? And that's why we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, which is where we'll begin in just a moment. As you were turning there, let me ask you this, and actually, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us have already made some sort of New Year's resolution that has something to do with physical fitness. That might be, hey, I'm going to lose weight, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna get more fit, Uh, I'm I'm gonna do something, but, but something akin to physical fitness. This is kind of one of those perennial New Year's resolutions. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but you might have actually made that same resolution last year because we just didn't do it, right? We last year said the same thing, but this year's going to be different. We're going to do that thing, right? And this is everybody. We all generally say, yes, I'm going to be more fit or I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to be stronger or have these things. I'm going to start running. I'm going to do whatever it might be. And yet inevitably for many of us, even if we get a good start, we just don't do it, or it just doesn't seem to work, which is weird because this is not that hard. Uh, There are actually two very simple ways that you and I can get fit. This is not a secret, and we all know what the answer is. There are two things you do if you want to get generally more fit in life. We all know what the two things are. They are diet and exercise. That's it, right? This is not a secret, right? This is not rocket science, We all know this, it's diet and exercise. If you eat better and exercise, you will almost invariably be more fit and trim. That's just the way it goes. And yet, even though we know this, we still don't do it. And so January rolls around and what do we do? We look for a quick fix, right? And we all fall for the gimmicks because we don't want a diet. But what we will do is buy this supplement, right? We're going to buy this thing that comes in a bottle because you don't actually have to change your eating habits. If you just buy this thing in a bottle, it's a powder, it's a shake, it's a thing. If it's a pill, if you just take this thing, it will be fine only for $99 a month. You can have this thing. It will absolutely do it. No need to change anything like that. And while you're doing that, why do you buy this device? Because if you buy this device, no need to go to the gym. If you just buy this device, it will actually make you fit and trim which is why we have all these devices littering our garages, all these things that don't actually work. Any device sold by Suzanne Summers over the past of the 45 years, whatever it might be. Look, it's a Bowflex, it's a, it's a rower, it's a, it's a thingy, it's a whatever. If you just pull these levers, it will actually make you fit. No need to have all this stuff. If you just buy this device, it will be fine. And we go and we try it, we spend money and time and it never works when we ought to just go back to the two things that do diet and exercise, or I might add one caveat, consistent diet and exercise, and we will get fit. It's very simple. It's not a secret. 
So what then do we do with our spiritual resolutions? Because I hope you've made some of those too. I hope you and I have made some spiritual resolutions this year. Say, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I want to grow in my knowledge of him, my experience of him. How do we actually do that? And for many of us, we might have made the same spiritual resolutions year after year when, when honestly, there's a very simple way to grow in your walk with the Lord. It's not a secret. It's all out there in the open. The question is, though, will we actually do it? And so I want to show you that to you right here in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Um, we are at the beginning of this letter to the Colossians. Paul is writing this letter to the church there. And as he invariably does at the beginning of his letters, he's going to say, hey, I've been praying for you. But he doesn't just say, hey, I've been praying for you. He's going to tell them, here's what I'm praying for you. Here's the specific thing that I have been praying for your church. And so listen to what he prays for them. Verse 9, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Stop right there. All right, a lot of words there. A lot of different things that he covers. It seems like a very broad encouragement that he gives. And we got a lot of candidates there for what this secret might be. Uh, This one thing that invariably will help us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. But we need to look at the goal. What What is the actual goal that he's looking for? Well, we find that in verse 10. Is listen, I'm praying these things for you. Why? So that you, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him. That's the goal. What he wants for the Colossians is that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now that word walk is a typical Pauline phrase. It's a euphemism. And whenever he says the word walk, he means lifestyle. He's talking about how you live your life. So he's not talking about just on Sundays or just when you're doing your quiet time. He says your whole life, I want your life to be lived in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And I like that because his target there is for the entire life. He's not getting down into granular specifics. He says, no, look, I I want your whole life to be transformed. I want you to experience Jesus in all that you do. And that's important because sometimes we can get sidetracked by the specifics. And if we get too laser focused on just one thing or another, we might miss the grand picture. You might miss the holistic nature of what's going on. Have you ever seen that happen before in a brother or sister in Christ where they get a few things right and then they just glaringly miss other things? Uh, you, ever, you ever see this sometimes in a church where you have somebody and they have perfect attendance at church? That's an amazing feat in today's day and age. Perfect attendance. Ever seen this person? They are there every single week, every time the doors are open. They are there, but they are angrier than sin, right? That's just an ornery person. And man, you don't want to be around that person because they're there every week. I mean, look, if you judge them by the metric of attendance, this is a saint, but it's not bleeding over into every other part of their life. That's a problem. 
Or have you ever seen somebody like this? Man, they know the Bibles backwards and forwards. Man, they have memorized more scripture than anybody you know. They know those words. They can quote you those words, but they're so self-righteous, nobody wants to be around them. And it's not actually leading to transformation of themselves or anybody else. But by the one metric of knowing the word, this person is aces. They're amazing. But it's not actually bleeding out into the rest of their life. Okay, that's a problem. Paul here is saying, hey, hey, don't just get one part of your life. I want your whole life to be lived in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And so our goal can't be in just one area or in one activity. It's got to encompass our entire life. That's what he's after. He said, well, what would that look like? Well, he spells it out in the next few verses. Uh, Look what he says at the end of verse 10. He says, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. All right, in the Greek, this is a little bit easier to see, but those three verbs in those three phrases are all in the exact same tense. So it's clear that this is a list. These are three things that that kind of flesh out what is this life that's been living in honor of the Lord, a manner worthy of the Lord. Well, we have those three, three things, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. But even these are very holistic. Let's break these down for just a second. First off, it says bearing spiritual fruit. What do you think of when you think about bearing spiritual fruit? When you hear that's our goal, we want to bear spiritual fruit, what do we instantly think of? Because I think we would be, it'd be all fine, or we might be tempted to think, well, well, then I'm going to see some cool things happen. It's going to be an answered prayer. It's going to be, a, it's going to be this thing that I'm going to do. It's going to be this event that happens. And I'm going to see something happen. We, we get very specific. But when Paul talks about spiritual fruit, that's almost always what he's not talking about. You might remember last year, we looked at this in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul specifically talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Remember those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When Paul's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, he's not talking about specific actions or specific abilities. He's talking about a transformation of who we are. That the very life of Jesus Christ would be manifested in us to where we would display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You might also remember from that Galatians 5 passage that when he talks about fruit, he talks about it in the singular. So he doesn't talk about the fruits of the Spirit and then talk about nine fruits. He talks about the fruit, singular, of the Spirit and then mentions nine attributes, which means that we don't get to pick and choose. You might just say, this year I want patience. Good luck with that, right? Let's be honest, none of you prayed that, right? We prayed for something else. We said, no, give me goodness, but I'm not asking for patience. I hear that all the time. Well, we don't get to pick and choose. It's not about getting one or two of these. All of them ought to be displayed in varying degrees, but it's a transformed life. That's what he's after. So we can't get down just looking at one or two things here. So it's about a transformation of all who we are. Second phrase, increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, we might be tempted to get granular. 
and say, all right, what this means is I got to know more. I got to read more of the Bible. I got to know more verses. I got to have more information. I got to go to a few more Bible studies. I got to get all these different things. And look, all of that is fine. That is helpful, almost necessary to help you in your growth. But when he's talking about increasing in the knowledge of God, he's not talking about increased intelligence. He's not talking about book smarts. The word here for knowledge is epignosis. The root word gnosis is the word for knowledge, right? Facts, intellects, things that you would know. Epignosis denotes relationship. It's a relational knowing. It means a holistic knowing. So when he says increasing in your knowledge of the Lord, he's talking about an increase in our relationship with him that we would be increasingly intimate with him. We would know him better. We would experience him more. Think abiding from John 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. Think living in the spirit like we studied last year. When we live in the Holy Spirit, okay, that's increasing in the knowledge of God. This is what the Lord is wanting from us. This is what Paul is praying. Again, he's not getting granular. He's staying holistic. He says, I want your whole life to be transformed. All right, then thirdly, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. All right, what is he talking about there? Well, when you and I begin to walk with the Lord, we quickly begin to recognize that we are asked to do impossible things. The Christian life is impossible. The sooner we figure that out, the easier it's going to be. But we cannot actually do this on our own power. Think about the things that we are asked to do. We're asked to be saved. We're asked to be transformed. We're asked to help other people come to know Jesus Christ. And we're asked to help transform the world around us. You and I have the power to do none of that. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot transform ourselves. We cannot change other people. And we cannot change the world on our own. We can't. And if you try, you will be incredibly sincere. No one's going to doubt your sincerity. You're going to try incredibly hard. No one's going to doubt your effort. You're going to be very tired and you're not going to accomplish a whole lot. Very sincerely, but not a whole lot is going to get done at the end of the day. So the Lord says, don't do this on your own power. Don't do this by yourself. I want you to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. How? By being strengthened with his power. You see, he can do all of those things, and he invites us to join him as he's doing it. And he gives us tasks. He gives us opportunity. He fills us with his spirit that through us, he actually does all of those things. But that requires a constant reliance upon his power, not our own willpower. And so we constantly go back and say, God, I don't just want to try hard. I don't just want to do my best. I want to rely on the Holy Spirit to do so. Right? So we've eliminated a couple of, of candidates here. You might say, okay, Adam, listen, actually, that sounds great. This is cool. Right? If that's on the table and that's an option for all of us, I'm in. That's great. I'm on board. How do we get there? All right, well, let's back up to verse 9 and see what he says. In verse 9, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I gravitate towards that middle where it says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And I honestly just wish he had quit there, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be better if you just put the period there? And I pray that God would tell you what to do. 
Anybody ever prayed that before? I mean, that's my prayer all the time. Tell me what to do. Where am I supposed to go? You take this job or that do- job? Should my kid go to this school or that school? Do you date this person or that person? Do you get married? Do you not get married? Do you do this or that? Do you handle it this way or that way? We all come up in these places in life where we're just like, God, tell me what to do. And we look at this and say, okay, God, just fill me with the knowledge of your will. But even here, Paul won't get specific. Look what he says. He says, I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, Paul, and more importantly, the Lord, is not interested in simply simply giving us an answer. He wants to give us all the answers. He's not interested in helping us in simply one area of our life. He wants to help you in all areas of our life. He's not interested in us just saying, hey, in this one part of my personality, this one part of my life, this one part of my time, I really want to follow the Lord. He says, I I don't take bits and pieces. I don't take scraps. I'm looking for a life lived worthy of the Lord. So what I want to give you is spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you begin to think like me. You begin to see things the way the Lord sees things. You begin to to react to things the way the Lord reacts to things. You begin to understand, wait a minute, who God is, who I am, my true purpose, where I'm truly going, what's really most important. I begin to have spiritual wisdom and understanding, and that bleeds into everything. That bleeds into every area of my life. That doesn't just stop at my job or my family or my hobbies or my thought life. It bleeds into everything. Now there's this spiritual wisdom and understanding that goes into everything. That's what Paul's after. I pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is what the Lord wants to give to each and every one of us. And remember, this is for you. God's not saying this is just for Paul. Paul's praying it for the entire Colossian church. It's in scripture because he's praying it for us. And so again, still you might say, okay, great. All of that sounds great. How do we get there? Look at how Paul brings this into their life. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And there it is. Plain as day, sitting out there in front of us. It's diet and exercise. It's the thing we all know. It's not a secret. It's not rocket science. It's just right out there in front. He prays. Yes, he's writing a letter, and yes, he's going to instruct them, and yes, he encourages them. But what he does is pray. Furthermore, he consistently prays. We have not ceased to pray for you. What's the mechanism? What's the pathway by which all of this spiritual change occurs? This holistic change happens over time. The main mechanism is very simple, even though it's kind of hard. It's prayer. It's prayer. He invites us to pray. We all have this awesome, quite literally awesome opportunity to talk to the God of the universe. He is inviting us in. And as we interact with him, he transforms us. He says the pathway is prayer. And look, he actually says this all throughout his other letters. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 6, 18. Different letter, different church. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. We looked at this last week when talking about uh, spiritual armor. But this is what he tells the Ephesians. Look what he says to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. 
and then to the Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Four churches, four totally different groups of people, four totally different circumstances, same admonition. Pray without ceasing. What's the singular way in all circumstances, for all people, at all times, regardless of what's going on, pray without ceasing. And so look, as we are in this season of renewal, I really want to start something for 2022, that in the midst of the season of renewal, we will really enter into a season of prayer. Uh, to help us in this season of renewal, that we would make prayer kind of the bedrock foundation of all that we do. That it becomes kind of the lifeblood of all that we are. In, in all of the things that we're doing, we make sure we are entering into a season of prayer. That in all different ways, and all different times of our life, not just here on Sundays, but all the things that we do, that we would enter into a season of prayer. Now look, I do not mean to suggest at all that I think that we are not praying already. I know that we are. We prayed at the beginning of this service. We have prayed before. But we all have room to grow in our prayer life, do we not? I do. We all do. Whether you've been praying for a year or you've been praying for 40 years, we all have room to grow in our prayer life. And so what I'd like to do is, is I want to suggest seven different ways that we can do this. And I don't intend for you to do all seven of these. You're probably doing a few of these, but you're probably going to see something here that you're not doing. And this might be a way to say, hey, I want to delve deeper in. I want, I want, to, you know, I want to immerse myself more in a life of prayer and so maybe I want to explore that a little more. So seven different ways, and we'll be talking about this all throughout the year. Uh, this is not a new sermon series. I realize we just did a three-month series on prayer. We're not doing another three-month series on prayer. But this is going to be kind of the undercurrent under everything that we do this season of prayer. But seven different options for you. The first one is this, uh, a consistent daily prayer time. This is bedrock. This is just starting point. What we all need is a consistent daily prayer time. Some people call this a quiet time. You might already do this. A lot of us do this in the morning, but you don't have to. You can do this at night. You can do this in your car. You can do this at some point. But what's important is, is that it's consistent. One of the reasons I think that we, we have intentions to pray and then we don't is because we don't really mark out the time for it. You might need to mark out the time for it. Remember last uh, year we did the pray as one and we all prayed at 1 p.m. You might just need to put it on your calendar like you do lunch. You just need to put on there the 15-minute block. Hey, spend time with the Lord. Mark it out set a time for it and say, this is my time with the Lord and it's not going to get taken away by anything else. And do that as long as you need. Don't compare yourself to other people. You might pray five minutes. You might pray 50 or more. Listen, the length is not as important as the intentionality and the consistency. But if you aren't already doing this, this is the place to start a consistent daily prayer time. Next, uh, I want you to pr have a prayer group. We don't simply need to pray by ourselves. We need to be praying with other people. Now look, some of y'all just got nervous all right then, right? That freaks you out. You're, he's going to make me get up there and pray in front of the church. I'm not, right? I'm not, well, not today. But look, <laughs> maybe October. All right, but look, uh, look I'm not going to ask you to do that. But look, you, you actually need to be praying with other people. Some of you came to our prayer group, uh, our prayer nights this past fall. And it is so encouraging to sit with other people, two, three, four people, and to hear their prayers, to know that you are not alone, to know that they're praying for you. You're praying for them. Listen, you need that. And so I want to encourage you to form a prayer group. Uh, this might just be you and your spouse. 
that weekly, you can say, hey, I, I want to make sure at least once a week we're sitting together and we're praying out loud. It might be with a few people from your community group. And you say, hey, we got, we got a couple guys, a couple ladies, and we're going to get together once a week and we're going to pray. We're going to pray out loud in front of each other and we're going to pray. You can do this over Zoom during the, the pandemic. I did this with, with some guys. But it was for, for months on end. We, we would pray at a certain time every morning just for a few minutes and we would all get on there and we would all pray for one another. There's lots of ways of doing this. You can do this at work. You can do this at your home. You can do this uh, at night during the week. There's all kinds of different ways. And I'm not going to tell you how many people you need to have, but you need to have some sort of a prayer group where you're praying in front of other people. So you've got brothers and sisters you're praying with. Thirdly, fasting. You might say, Adam, that doesn't sound like prayer. I know, but go with me for just a second. Uh, Listen, fasting really is a spiritual practice for the purpose of prayer. You can fast for lots of different reasons. Some of you might do intermittent fasting. That's kind of a thing right now in fitness circles. And that's great for physical fitness. But when we are fasting, we are doing so for a spiritual purpose. We're saying, I am going to abstain from this food for a certain period of time. And I'm going to devote that time where I would be eating to the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to deny myself over here to have greater spiritual food from the Lord. And I'm going to spend that time with him. And so maybe you want to pick a day of the week and say, hey, Over the course of this year, this day of the week, I'm going to fast. Or it might be a particular season or a time period to say, I'm going to fast for this. But look, it doesn't have to be food. You can fast from all kinds of things. During the Lenten season, some people do things like this. They're saying, hey, I'm going to fast from social media. I'm just going to get away from that. And that time I would be scrolling and getting angry and posting. All right, I'm going to do something else. And I'm going to actually spend that time in prayer. Okay, that might be something you want to fast from. How about this? Some of you have a commute. You're not working remotely. You still have to go back and forth to work. If you're in the car by yourself, what if you just dedicated that time to the Lord and said, hey, that time in the car to work, that is my time with the Lord. I'm not turning on the radio. I'm not turning on my phone. That time is dedicated to the Lord or the time away from work or both. You could say, hey, this year, I want to spend at least that amount of time only with the Lord. That's a form of fasting for the purpose of prayer. There's lots of different ways of doing this. And look, if this freaks you out, I would really recommend uh, a chapter on fasting by Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline. It will demystify this for you. It will make it applicable. It did this for me years ago. It was incredibly helpful. I would really encourage it if you want some practical instruction about how to start this. If you've never done something like that before, would really look at that. Next, uh, we've got read a book on prayer. Maybe you just want to study more about prayer or learn more about prayer. We looked at Paul Miller's A Praying Life. That was our companion book. We still have some copies of that if you would like one of those. But there's lots of great books on prayer. Tim Keller's got a great book on prayer. Foster's got a book on prayer. Andrew Murray's got a great book on prayer. There's lots of great books on prayer. What if you studied? Grab a few people and said, hey, I want to learn more. I'm really going to dive in. And again, not just for knowledge's sake, but practice what you learn. Try some things out and say, I want to really deepen my experience and not just do what I've always done. Maybe open my horizons and grow in this. Over the course of this year, man, grab a book and say, I'm going to study and learn this. Next, uh, join our prayer team. Look, this is something brand new that we're unveiling. Uh, Over the course of the past year, uh, Bethany Parnell has had some different folks uh, praying for us as we have worshipped. And there's been some of you who've been kind of praying in secret over our worship services. Well, this is something we actually want to open wide. As we go into this year, we're going to be starting a new prayer team so that every time we have a worship service, there's going to be people praying over us. And you might want to be part of that. 
Ultimately, we want to have a, a place where if at any point you need prayer, there's people who can be there uh, that you can receive prayer with. And look, you might want to be part of that, of saying, hey, I want to be a part of praying for my community. And maybe once a month or different times during the month, man, I want to be one of those people praying for a service. We want you to come and be part of that. And so listen, on, on January the 26th, we'll have an orientation meeting. You'll be giving you more information about that here soon. But if you're interested in that, man, this year, why don't you join our prayer team and let's pray for one another holistically as a church. Next one, uh, we got pray for others. Uh, this is also called intercessory prayer. Uh, in addition to praying for ourselves, I hope that we are praying for one another. Uh, we send out uh, prayer requests uh, all the time. We ask you to pray, which P.S., those work. Uh, even this past week, Dale Neuendorf, we asked you to pray for him. Uh, he actually got to go home from the hospital a couple of days ago, and he's doing a lot better. Thank you for those prayers. I know he and his family appreciates those. But look, we need you and I to be praying for one another. But sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Maybe we need to get more specific about this. Paul Miller, in his book, he's got a, a card system that he uses to pray for others. You can read that book and, and learn that instruction. I know sometimes people pray for me a certain time uh, of the month. Uh, they've got a calendar, and I know on, on this particular day, that person's always praying for me because they've got a calendar where they pray for different people at least once a month, different uh, issues or different things going on. Maybe that would help. But this is incredibly important because as you and I pray for others around us, you're going to begin to see more answers. You're going to begin to see God moving, that power of God powerfully moving through us in prayer. You need to see that. That's not going to happen unless we're writing it down, unless we're looking for it, we're seeing it. But that's going to happen when we pray for others. Maybe we're great at praying for ourselves. We really need to take a turn and says, man, I want to focus on praying for other people. And then finally, take a prayer retreat. You might say, Adam, I'm doing a lot of these different things, uh, but maybe this is something that would be helpful to you is to take a prayer retreat where you take a specific period of time to spend with the Lord. Now, look, our students do this. They get D-Now every year. They get camp every year. Our kids get vacation Bible school every year. But adults, when was the last time you took a dedicated retreat just to spend time with the Lord. A dedicated event just to spending time with the Lord. It's hard, isn't it? It's incredibly hard. And so if we don't put it on the calendar, it's just not going to happen for the next, I don't know, four decades. It's not going to happen. You got to plan it. This is actually something we do with our staff. We offer them renewal days where they can have an entire day just to go spend time with the Lord, to develop their own walk with Christ, not do ministry work, but just to literally be with the Lord. I love these. When, when I do these, I, I typically find myself at the botanical gardens. I've got my books, my Bible, and I'll walk, I'll pray, I'll read, I'll write. It's incredibly encouraging. But maybe you need to do that for half a day, a day. Maybe you need to go away for a couple of days on a retreat. This is not vacation, by the way. This is purposeful time to spend with the Lord. What could happen if you and I were that intentional about walking in him, living in him, so that we could let the noise die down and hear what he has to say to us. And so seven things, seven ways that you and I can really enter into a season of prayer. And again, I know you're probably doing some of these, but man, look at these, pray and say, Lord, is there one of these that I need to add on? One of these ways that I can kind of delve further in to see what the Lord might be saying to you. And look, all of these things that Paul is talking about, this bearing spiritual fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, 
These are the things that begin to be manifested in us as we live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in every way. But this is something we're going to do together. This is our season of renewal. It's our season of prayer. So I want to encourage one another, help one another. I hope you know that we're doing this together. When Paul prays, not only does he pray for the whole church, but notice that we there, it's not Paul praying, it's everyone with him. They were all praying for the Colossian church. This is something we all do together. It's important for us to be unified in this as we do so. So I hope you encourage one another in this. And I actually have something this morning I need us all to pray about. One way that we can all begin praying together. And this has to do uh, with a shift in our campus strategy. And this is something we want to invite you today to be praying with us about. Uh, For some of y'all, a little bit of history. Many of you guys are new here to the church. Some of you guys have been here for a long period of time. Uh, But about four years ago, uh, we were busting at the seams here at Mount Laurel. You might remember this. We were running three services in this place. Uh, Almost every service was full. And we had really maxed out our capacity physically on this campus. And we said, what are we going to do? And instead of trying to build a bigger building or a bigger worship center somewhere else, we said, hey, we want to actually start a second campus of our church. And this is something we did four years ago. It's strange to think it's been that long since we started this process. But four years ago, we started meeting. Three and a half years ago, we launched that campus out with 200 people from here at Mount Laurel who went over to Chelsea and began meeting in their elementary school. And over the past three and a half years, we've seen some incredible transformation and it's actually going incredibly well. That campus is doing incredibly well on all fronts. It's been awesome to see the success that we've seen with our second campus. But look, when we did this, we had some goals in mind. There were things that we wanted intentionally to do as we set out with this campus. First off, uh, we said this, uh, we wanted to kind of, you know, have pastors who would go back and forth. We wanted to kind of have this because we wanted to have incarnational ministry. We wanted people to know their pastors. We didn't want to, we wouldn't want to put me on a screen or to do something virtual. We said, no, it's important that we have a community relationship here. And so we wanted to make sure that we had real people every single week. Secondly, we said, hey, we want to expand our ability to really minister to this area. We want to expand our ability to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for people to be able to experience Jesus Christ in this area. And then thirdly, we wanted to transmit our DNA. Our core values of maturity and community and charity, we wanted to make sure that DNA was transplanted into this new campus. Those were our goals. And we had a strategy for that. Uh, Initially, that strategy was, was we would actually bounce pastors Uh, you might remember this. In the early days, I would actually go down to Chelsea and I would preach there and the teaching pastor would preach here and we would bounce back and forth as we did that so we could kind of keep connection between them. We would also share our staff. We had one staff that covered both of our campuses and we would share staff across campuses so that we could really have the best of both worlds and be able to share all of our resources. But we also left it very open-ended. This was something new for us. And so we said, hey, we're going to leave a couple things open so that the Lord can kind of show us what this looks like as we do this, because we've never done this this way before. And here's the incredibly good news I have to share this morning. We have accomplished all of our goals. Everything that we have set out to do, we are currently doing. We have effectively doubled our capacity to minister to this area in the name of Jesus Christ. 
At the Chelsea campus, they have been running in the 300s earlier this year, 400s towards the end of the year, even into the 500s over in November and December. Even in the midst of the pandemic, that campus continues to grow. We are watching us effectively double our capacity to minister on a Sunday morning and throughout the week through our campuses. And we have that incarnational ministry. All the things that we set out to do, we have actually done. It's been a huge success. I think we can be excited about that. That's fun. (laughs) But let's be honest, and we'll be real honest, this has not gone how we thought. Uh, Which, P.S., I think that's the slogan for the last two years, is it not? This did not go how we expected, right? I don't think anything in the past two years has gone how we've expected. And even irrespective of COVID, as we've gone through these last four years, things did not go exactly how we expected. Look, we've learned a lot over the past four years. We really have. Uh, Look, we learned this, that while initially passing pastors back and forth between the campuses, that was great in the early days, over time... Things did what we wanted them to do, but people began to be more connected to the pastor that was on their campus. I always knew that this is my home base. This is where I belong. This is where I'm going to be. Uh, But it's natural that people stay connected with the people they see every week and specific pastorally, which is why you haven't seen me bouncing back and forth. This is a shift that we made early on as we were walking through things. Uh, We also found out that we're very unique. Even though that campus is just 10 minutes down the road, it's actually different from us at Mount Laurel. Chelsea Park and Mount Laurel are different places. Not completely different, uh, but they're different. And there's some unique needs and some unique opportunities. And we watch the campuses really reach out in different ways to meet those communities. But it's a little more unique than we originally had thought. Thirdly, sharing staff has become harder as time has gone on. When we were all one staff under one roof and we had smaller numbers of people, this was a lot easier to do. But as that campus has grown and matured, and as we have continued to grow and mature, even in the midst of the pandemic, sharing staff across campus has gotten hard because it's just too much for one person to handle So we've added staff in the midst of this. We've had to change staff and shift staff around. We now have two staffs on two places, but we've had to adapt as we've rolled through all of this. And then fourthly, uh, and this is not a bug, it's a feature. uh, When people build relationships, they typically build relationships with the people they see every week. And so as we've gone through the past three, four years, people have made much stronger connections with the people on their own campus rather than cross-campus. We knew everybody crossed campus in the first years. That's really not true anymore. Even though we have cross-campus events and we still will, uh, it's just easier for people to build relationships with the people they see every week. Again, that's natural and normal. But over the course of the past year, that's left us in a place where the elders and I have been really wrestling. How do we best govern our campuses? How do we best govern the church to make sure that we're maximizing ministry in multiple places? How do we make sure that we continue to effectively share the gospel and minister to people in the unique ways that we need to do so in these multiple places? And and I mean that when I say that. Over the past year, we've been wrestling with this. We've been working on this. We've been trying to figure this out on all levels as things have become more complex. What's the best thing for us to do? And so this morning, I want to invite you into our process. The way we have been, uh, been praying through this, and we want to invite you to pray with us because what we sense from the Lord after about a year of struggling is that the Lord is moving our campuses in independent directions, not different directions. And I want to be clear about that uh, because we have the same goals and we have the same DNA, 
But we also want to make those places free to be able to flesh those uh, core values out, flesh those goals out in the specific ways that are unique to that particular community and with each of the independent staffs. Now, this is not an announcement of something that is happening. This is an invitation for you to pray with us about that. We want you to be praying with us as we walk through this process. Because inevitably, I know you have a ton of questions. Like, wait a minute, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? I know. These are the things that we also have been asking and working through. And some of those questions we have answers to. And a lot of them we don't yet. This is why we're inviting you into a process. That we would pray together as we figure out the answers to those questions. We're actually going to have a Q&A in two weeks uh, on the 23rd where you'll be able to come and ask all your questions. But you don't even have to wait till then. You can always ask me. You can ask our elders and say, hey, what about this or that? We want to talk about that. But the most important thing is that we want to pray together. We are inviting you into the prayer process. And then as we discern together across both of our campuses and where God is leading us unified in a single decision, then we would bring a formal proposal before the church. But as of today, this is where we sense the Lord moving. And so we want you to join with us in prayer as we walk through this process. Remember, the Lord is moving. He's just doing things a little bit differently than we originally had had thought. But the good news is he's doing it successfully. And we want to see that continue. And so would you join with us in prayer? Uh, Because look, we can talk about these things. And I have been in so many conversations about this as we've been wrestling with this. And the talk is important. Those things are important. But the most important thing we can do is pray. Amen. Because look, remember what Paul is praying in this passage. I pray that you might live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. What would that mean? It means that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what we want to be led by. Because when we follow him in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, what's going to happen? We're going to continue to bear spiritual fruit. We're all going to grow in our knowledge of God, our relationship with him. And we're going to continue to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is what God has done. It's what he's going to continue to do as long as we continue to follow him. And we will know we can do so when we follow him in prayer. And so please join with me in that prayer. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you will. We're going to close out in worship in just a moment. But even as we begin to do so, I want you to think back to maybe some of those seven things that we looked at a moment ago. Think about your own prayer life. I know that we're praying, but the Lord is calling you deeper. He's inviting you into greater intimacy. He is offering you more knowledge of him, true relational knowledge of him. He loves you. He hasn't given up on you. No matter how many times you may have made a promise like this and haven't fallen through, he hasn't taken this off the table. He continues to offer this to us. And even as a congregation, he says, listen, there are new things that I am doing that he wants to invite us into. Will we follow him? Will we listen to him? We will as we enter in to a season of prayer. And so even right now, could you begin to ask the Lord and say, hey, which one of these things do you want me to do? How do you want me to follow through in this? What does that look like in my particular life? Maybe he's putting things or ideas in your mind, or maybe he's bringing brothers and sisters in mind of people you can pray with, people you can pray for. Maybe he's stirring in you a desire to be a part of a prayer team, to lift up your brothers and sisters here at this congregation. 
Maybe he's birthing new dreams and desires to know him in a way that you've never known him before. If you don't sense that, you can pray for that too. So God, I don't know where I am. Could you give me that? Could you help me with that? I don't even know what to pray. Can you help me with that? And the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will. He prays with us. He prays for us. And he's doing it even now. So let's pray and walk with him into the life he made us for. So Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here and for what you've done in and through us, what you're continuing to do in and through us. It's sometimes a little different than what we expected. And yet when we stand back and look at the whole, we see you. We see you accomplishing your goals. We see you bringing people to salvation. We see you transforming lives. We see you doing the impossible. And you do it through people like us. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for your grace, your forgiveness, for the invitation to join you in this work. And so, Father, for brothers and sisters who've been here for years, for others who are, you are calling to join us even now and to step on in this chapter into what you're about to do, would you bind us together and unify us? Even as we look forward into new decisions, would you be the one to guide us all? And Lord, we will follow after you. Lord, we're excited to see what you're about to do in us. Thank you for this invitation. We choose to follow you in a life of prayer.